Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Miracles in the Making, Stories from Dance Marathon podcast. So on today's episode and this week, I'm bringing you a conversation with Georgia. Georgia is a student at Texas A&M University, and their program is called Aggie Miracle. So this particular story really is going to tell you a lot about how passionate someone can be about Dance Marathon, how incredibly moved that they can be by a, an event and something that is so beautiful. So take a listen and enjoy this conversation that I had with Georgia about her Dance Marathon experience through Aggie Miracle at Texas A&M University. Georgia, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about um, Dance Marathon at Texas A&M University. So can you tell me a little bit about your program and how it came to be? Yeah, I'd love to. Also, thank you for having me. You're absolutely awesome for doing this. Um, But anyways, let me get into it. Basically, ADM was established by the Aggie Bells. So Aggie Miracle is the org that we have now, but they aren't the ones that actually implemented this movement onto our campus. The first event that we ever held on our campus was put together by this women's org, the Aggie Bells, right? And the way that this kind of came to be was that they were looking for a philanthropy just to serve throughout the year. Um, And what I'm actually told is that one of our advisors had a child and the child was really sick at one point. Um, And so I think that they were all just so inspired and impacted, kind of just, you know, keeping up with her story and hearing about her experience and her progression um, and, you know, just being able to see her heal. And I think that that was really just like this driving force for them um, to decide that they wanted to advocate for child health. So that was a big thing. Um, And also I think they were just so intrigued by what a dance marathon is, you know what I mean? Um, Because from the outside looking in, it's kind of just like this whimsical, you know, wonderland, 12-hour party. Um, And there's just like this indescribable appeal um, and really abstract kind of thing to it. Um, And I think that they just were so attracted to it, you know, that they decided they had to have their own. So, you know, after I think just like doing their research, um, they took on the endeavor they planned, I believe, for a year and a half. And then boom, they brought Dance Marathon to College Station in 2014. Um, So we've grown a whole lot. It's actually incredible. That first year in 2014, they raised, I believe, $30,000. And after that, the movement kind of really just took off and exploded. The numbers started skyrocketing. um, And it became really apparent to them really quickly that they were going to have to pass the baton off to somebody else, you know, Um, because what they wanted the whole time was just to help as many kids as possible. You know, that was always the root of everything. And it became really apparent that they weren't able to do that, you know, strictly within the bills. So they decided that once they, you know, broke $100,000, they were going to go ahead and pass this on to a new group of people um, and kind of just like establish an organization that could completely just devote their time and energy to um, Dance Marathon. So they broke their $100,000 marker in 2016, I believe, and in 2017, Aggie Miracle was born. That's incredible. That's, so what a, what a journey. What yeah. a journey. So now I have a question for you. So you, you, you're talking about this incredible event, and these incredible events happen throughout the country. 
and they gather more and more students every single year. For your dance marathon, how do you keep students coming back year after year? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and I think that's something to really take into consideration with this is just the campus that you're at, you know what I mean? Because really this isn't like a one size fits all kind of scenario. I think it depends so much on your campus culture. Um, and so for A&M, there are so many places to get involved. You know, we take service, uh, I'm sorry, we take service really, really seriously. Um, it's like a core value and everything. It's kind of a big deal. And so as you can imagine, that's something that everybody's looking for. Um, and I think that this definitely helps us, but also this kind of makes it more challenging, um, you know, because yeah, like everybody wants to help and everybody's so servant hearted, but simultaneously, we have over a thousand orgs on campus and everybody already has their own cause, you know what I mean? Um, so it's a bit trickier just, you know, trying to be really impactful and intentional with your approach, but that's kind of really just what it comes down to. I think you just have to be really careful and let other organizations know that your goal isn't, you know, to try to recruit them and completely change what they're doing but more so, you know, dance marathons, just like this beautiful opportunity um, and kind of just like incentivize it, I think. I think the most powerful thing that you can really do is honestly just share your heart, just share your own experience and kind of just the experience of your friends alongside of you and just tell them, you know, really honestly that you've gotten, you've gotten a lot out of this movement and you genuinely believe that they could too. I feel like something that's problematic is kind of looking at it as a numbers thing, you know, and just like a recruitment thing. But, you know, the best thing to do is kind of just treating it like inviting people to a big party. I think that that's what it is, really. Yeah, kind of like a celebration of like all the work that's been done. And just, just it's just any dance marathon across the country can attest to the fact that their event is like their cornerstone thing. Like that's what they've you know, they're raising money all year and then they culminate in an incredible celebration that is their dance marathon. So my next question for you is more about like, like your relationship with your local CMN hospital. Um, it's going to, we're going to touch on this for a little bit. And so I was just asking, I'm just curious, like, what is your relationship with your CMN hospital and like, where is it? Um, and what, awesome things like I know there's probably an incredible partnership but what what goes on between the two of you the organization and the hospital um so I think really the hospital relationship that we have is what we want to focus the most on growing because the thing about our hospital is that it's kind of an hour away from everybody so as I'm sure you can imagine this kind of makes it um just like a little bit harder I think for us to actually visit and create this cause connection you know um, for some universities, it's incredible, and, you know, you're, you're right in their backyard, and you get to go, you know, probably weekly, maybe more, um, but for us, it's kind of maybe a monthly thing. Um, if we're lucky, you know, that's kind of what we shoot for a lot, um, and especially now, I think something that we've done to kind of just support it is just look at virtual experiences, you know what I mean, because we're college students, and that's something that we want to keep in mind. We want to honor everybody's time. Um, but we also just want to offer you, you know, this other opportunity to where you can actually see who you're benefiting because, you know, it comes, 
it comes and it just like makes this whole experience so much more worthwhile it's tangible now you get to you know fully see what you're doing and so for us I think what that really just looks like is instead of necessarily or I'm sorry instead of focusing so much on you know making the trip you know every week we try to just make it known that we want to serve them so what that looks like isn't kind of just going and visiting and putting on events but you know maybe getting together like little goodie bags or thank you cards for the staff and just letting them know that we want to support them as people rather than just as a rather than just as a philanthropy um, I think kind of just making it really personable and kind of accepting that this is harder for us to do, but it is this investment that we're willing to take. It's time that we're willing to, you know, kind of put aside and still just make the effort in. Right. That makes sense. It totally makes sense. So um, another question I have for you is um, kind of centered around like misconceptions about the program so like i know a lot of dance marathons are good mm, you, you know programs in general or just organizations in general um regardless of what whatever they represent go through scrutiny in terms of like you know misconceptions that people might have about them and then so what misconceptions do people do you think people have about your program and then i have a follow-up question after that that's so good i think that the biggest misconception really is that we're just these money-hungry, um, you know, young adults. I think that it's really, really hard for some people to grasp that, you know, this is a fundraising organization and that this is a community service, but it's not tangible. You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of different causes, you know, like take the food bank, for example. You go and, you know, you can organize or you can give, you know, you can literally pass, you know, just different, objects of food down and see how much you're impacting somebody but I think there's like this misconception that the money is going to this arbitrary place you know it's almost like out of sight out of mind and that kind of turns people off I think um, so it's really hard to just connect sometimes it's really hard to you know create that cause connection but I think that the thing that we really need to press in on is just kind of familiarizing ourselves and all of our members with the fact that these donations aren't, you know, just disappearing. They're literally going and they're saving lives, they're improving lives, and they're making a difference that's honestly a lot bigger than any of us assume, I think. Um, I think that the biggest solution to this is really just presenting it all correctly and kind of just inviting people in, you know, to those hospital opportunities and to just like different events where they can fully grasp where all of this is going to. Right. Absolutely. I think, yeah, that's a big thing trying to like give people like make it tangible for them. And yeah. now my, my follow-up question for you is, you know, you're, you're talking about A&M and how service and service and um, community service are really ingrained in the campus culture, and there are a lot of different orgs on campus. You know, I said there's a ton of them, so everyone's got their own cause. What's it like being on a campus like that, where you're having to basically um, build community around the idea that you're all serving, you're all doing a service to someone, but also staying respectful of the fact that you're all trying to grow and get better? Like, what is, what is that relationship like with the other student orgs? Yeah, 
So I think the biggest thing is kind of just making sure that you really, really focus on your stewardship, right? Because these people are also going to add so much to your total. They're going to add so much to the hype of your event. All of these, you know, outside members from other organizations, they're going to see your kids. They're going to dance with your kids and build relationship with them. They're essentially on your same team. And I think that it's just so important to express that even after Dance Marathon um, or before for that matter, right? We want to support them just as much as, you know, we're wanting them to support us. And I don't think of it as, you know, a you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of relationship, but more so just expressing, you know, I'm so for you. I am so just invested and honestly in awe of all that you do. I respect your service. I respect all the time and commitment that your members put into it. And I would just like those kind of people to come and see my favorite thing on earth. And I'd like you to know that, you know, I'm so open to doing that and helping you grow as well. I think we all have kind of our own realms of influence. And it's just a really magical thing when you use that to better one another um, and kind of just foster that all throughout campus. Yeah, that's, it's a really, that's a really cool thing that, that your university has where philanthropy and service are like ingrained in culture. So you're, instead of having competition between, you know, the different orgs, it's like a community building thing. And yeah. so in the spirit of stewardship, I know you were just talking about it a second ago. I'd love to, you know, bring that to this podcast. I mean, we've been bringing it every episode. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot and have you steward two people, um, that have been a really big influence in your dance marathon experience. Just oh my god. Minutes. 2 minutes. 1 to 2. Wow, minutes. that's That's a really good question. I was not expecting that one. Okay. Oh, and two, that's so hard. There's so many people. Leave to me change my life literally forever. Um thank you so much Alan for believing in me at the times that I did not believe in myself. Thank you for pushing me. Um thank you for giving me literally the best part of my world. You're the best. And then the second person, I'm going to go ahead and say Mike West. Um, Mike West is my accounting director. And let me tell you, he is the most FTK individual that I think I've ever met. And he's such a humble lad. He would never tell you, but this boy is a literal genius. Mike, you saved my life and my brain whenever we're crunching numbers. And oh my goodness, I have all the respect in the world for you, especially after you count the canning money and your hands smell bad for like two weeks straight. You're the best and I love you. <laughs> all righty, thank you for participating in that. And so um, the next part of our conversation is really just going to be centered around like the more, I would say just like personal journey side of Dance Marathon. And I think that's something that really goes unnoticed by a lot of people and unrecognized. So my first question for you is, like, what does dance marathon mean to you and your community? Oh, that's really good. I think, um, for me, honestly, just for Aggie Miracle, I think that dance marathon is kind of just a glimpse you know, of the culmination of miracles. I like to say that 
all the miracles really happen outside of Dance Marathon. Dance Marathon is really just the cherry on top, I think. And we were talking about this in one of our first meetings, just kind of about the legacy that we want to leave behind. And I think that the most powerful thing that we can do is celebrate every single day and all the miracles that we can make with every day, you know, every dollar and just every minute of our time that we give back to these kids. Um, running a dance marathon, putting this on is a huge thing. Anybody that's involved is going to tell you that. It's really demanding of your time, regardless of what position you're in. And low-key, I think it can really become like a job. Um, but, you know, they're just these special, incredible people that take all of this responsibility and make something literally beautiful out of it. And Dance Marathon is just like this touch of heaven. It's this touch of the miracle that nothing else can really amount to. I think Dance Marathon is just the proof that we have something worth fighting for. And it's just like this testimony that all of the ups and downs of this movement are so worth every single second. That was awesome. And so now you're, you're talking about these moments, these, some, like you said, sometimes the best, some of the most incredible moments that we have in Dance Marathon might not even happen at the actual event. So my question to you is what is the most, what has been the most impactful non-event moment for you and why? Okay. Um, all right. That's a really good question. Um, so for me, outside of the event, the biggest moment, I think, was this one staff meeting that we had. And it was like the beginning of the meeting, and they were all passing out these miracle bands, right? And so I'm super excited because I hadn't had one before. And, you know, I was like, this is so cute. I'm going to show everybody around school. And, right, so we write our why on it. And, you know, then right after we all finish, they're like, okay, um, so go find somebody in the room and switch bracelets and share your why. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, I was not ready for that at all. I was just super caught off guard and things just got like really sensey really quick. Um, so I'm scrambling around the room and I'm just trying to find somebody. And I'm lucky enough to actually pair up with my friend Allie, who is the executive director. So basically, you know, the person in charge of literally everything. I've talked to her maybe once before. And, you know, we sat down and just talked about what this meant to us. Um, so I got to hear about her brother. I got to hear about how they both grew up as sick kids, um, but how she got better and he didn't, you know. I got to hear just about the impact that this movement has on her and how, you know, growing up and realizing how fortunate she was, she decided to use that and just take the opportunity that she had gotten to live and breathe Dance Marathon. Um, and I think that that was just such a beautiful moment for me because everything kind of made sense. At first, like when I had first heard about this girl, I was like, you must be crazy like this. This movement, this organization is actually insane. This is monumental. There are so many numbers and logistics that go into it. Like why on earth would you take this on while being a full-time college student? Um, it just sounded like so much, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm being honest, I was like, why? I could never. But then, 
it just made so much sense that, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't a burden for her. This didn't look like work for her. This didn't feel like, you know, unnecessary number crunching. Like, no, this was her fighting for her brother. And now, like, I was lucky enough to fight alongside her for that. And so that moment really was just such a tangible um, example, I think, of what this all was. I think that moment for me took me from being one of those people that saw the money going to like this arbitrary place in the sky and actually made it real. And personally, it just made it so much easier for me to invest myself in this, you know, because when you kind of just think about your own why, I think it's really easy to talk yourself out of going the extra mile. Um, but when there's other people that you genuinely care about and them and their loved ones are on the line now, you know, and you're not just fighting for yourself, there's like, there's just this responsibility, I think, that comes with it. And it becomes really, really personal and you just want to do more. And at that moment, Dance Marathon just became way more personal than it had been. That's incredible. Amazing. <laughs> I'm like speechless, actually. So, um, oh. so my, ne my next question for you is, it's a tough one. Um, if you could summarize your Dance Marathon experience in one word or phrase, what would it be? One word. Or phrase. Or phrase. Okay, okay. Um, okay, you're probably going to hate me, and I'm going to sound like the most basic girl on this podcast, and I'm sure that, uh, if somebody's already said this, please let me know, and I just, like, won't say it. I'll change my words. <laughs> but I think, not even I think, I really just can't find a better word to describe all of this than miraculous. And so, yeah, excuse me, because that's the most basic thing I could have no said. One, no one said that yet, so you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so, yeah, just hear me out. Um, I don't think that the experiences that I've had or any of the people that I've come to meet were brought into my life by any stroke of luck. You know, I personally don't believe in coincidence, and... I can tell you right now that there's nothing special or different that I did in the slightest to place me where I am. Um, yet somehow on this beautiful earth, I found the best part of my life, you know, when I wasn't even looking. For me, like, this is just a miracle. I was already in a trillion orgs. I already thought that I had it all figured out. I thought I knew what job I wanted and what major I was going into and you know what I was going to graduate with all of these things were really just set in stone for me it seems like and then one day I just went to this event that I didn't even really consider for a while and boom my life was changed and I've met the best people I've had the best experiences and honestly I've just grown a lot as a person and I don't think that, you know, that's just something good. That's not something normal, even. That's just something extraordinary that I've literally gotten by miracle. And so, yeah, I'm going to say miraculous. <laughs> that's a good word. 
That is a good word. Okay, so um, <laughs> one last question for you before we uh, run out of time here. So, you know, a lot of a lot of us have the incredible opportunities to meet and interact with miracle families and miracle kiddos. So for you is, I know you probably met a handful of miracle kiddos and handful of miracle families, but is there one that you might specifically resonate with or that you, um, that you're really close to and like, what about their story inspires you so much? Mm, definitely. Okay. So exciting. This is a golden question, huh? Um, so yeah, I've had the beautiful honor and privilege of meeting so many miracle families, and they're all definitely special for their own reasons. Um, but personally, my favorite and the family that I definitely say that I fight for and keep in mind the most is actually the family of my three best friends, Tyler, Beth, and Fuller Briscoe. <laughs> so if y'all are listening <laughs> surprise I love you so much you're the best and yeah I think I think what sticks about them is just the fact that I've been lucky enough to see you know the opposing side of the miracle when you're at the event you get to hear the families and you get to see the kids as kids right um so they're still you know kind of vulnerable delicate small they still have you know their entire life ahead of them and you know you know that they've experienced a miracle but you don't really know all the next parts of the story and then eventually you graduate so you don't really get to know that um but for me i see what these miracle kids grew up to be and it's incredible so let me rewind a bit because this probably doesn't make sense yet but um basically tyler beth and troy are triplets perfect triplets sweet triplets if you met them you'd automatically fall in love and vow to protect them at all costs because they're incredible um but before they were ever born their parents were pretty much told that they would need a miracle just to survive so what the situation looked like was that their parents um you know decided they really wanted to have a child together but they were facing a bit of difficulty as they were getting there they had met a little bit later down the line, so the odds for their pregnancy being successful, um, it kind of just wasn't the best, and the risks were a lot higher. Um, but, you know, this is really conflicting, because in their hearts, they knew that they wanted a child. And so what they decided was that this was a risk worth taking. And wow, thank God that they did, <laughs> because those are my best friends, right? Um, but yeah, so they just continued to pray, ask God for a child, and then boom. Um, their mom finds out that she's pregnant, not with one, but with three kids, um, which in my head is already a miracle, but that's not even the end of the story, okay? So they have all this good news, right? They're trying to tell everybody, and then really quickly, the doctors kind of start speaking a lot of the medical talk that I think all of us know about, but really don't want to hear, you know? They start saying stuff like, well, I don't know if all three babies are going to be viable. Um, I don't know if they would all make it through the operation. And, you know, say that they did survive, they would probably have to learn to live with a lot of serious medical problems. And, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Um, and so Tim and Susie Briscoe are the best, most faithful 
steadfast people ever. So for them, you know, in their hearts, they knew that they still wanted these children. But for me, like thinking about this and thinking about how I want to be a parent one day, I, you know, I can't even fathom how, you know, discouraged and how honestly heartbroken I would probably be hearing that. Um, but nonetheless, they persisted, you know, the doctors, they kept saying stuff like this over and over, I think just trying to warn them, but their parents just kept responding, you know, I know that the odds don't look like they're going to survive, but we think that they will. And, you know, even if there is something wrong with them, we'll love them just the same. And so, uh, beautiful people. So glad that they did that. I'm so glad that they were willing to just go through that as hard as it may have been. And I'm so glad that we have hospitals and resources that, you know, just allowed them to still have their children. Because, you know, today, Tyler, Beth, and Troy are the most beautiful people that I know. Um, they were born three months early. So I'm not a medical expert at all, but I think that being born three months early is probably an even greater risk, especially because they were triplets, especially because they were like three pounds and that's tiny. Um, but somehow or another, they just pushed through. Oh, wow. And so, you know, now, now nobody would even know that you know, just by the grace of God, they've grown up to be these incredible individuals. And, you know, they didn't stop being a miracle when they overcame all of this medical triumph. Like, not at all. Tyler is one of the most involved individuals that I know, literally at Texas a yet he still makes time outside of all of his organizations to fundraise and to attend Dance Marathon and all of our other push days and events, um, just because he cares about giving back to the kids like him. Beth. Beth has been on staff for two years now. This is going to be her third dance marathon. And, you know, she decided to move all the way up to the director of partnerships. And this was an area of our organization that had struggled a lot. And she just decided she wanted to take it on and really strengthen the whole realm because, you know, she wanted the best for the kids that were just like her. And she wanted the best for the parents that were just like hers. And then Troy, well, Troy has also served on staff for two years. Um, and Troy is literally just the most radiant beacon of positivity and hope that I've ever met in my life. And I think pretty much everybody can agree that that's just who he is. Um, Troy's incredible. There's something about him that really just makes people want to do this forever. And it's so cool because he actually talks about how, you know, he wants to incorporate this into his future career. And there's just something so powerful about it, you know, seeing how these kids, they grow up and they want to make more miracles. Like this is a legacy, a, a dynasty, if you will. You know, this doesn't end there with their story or with their healing. Like this continues and you get to see that these people, you know, they grow up, not these people, that these kids like grow up and they just make every person they encounter better you know I don't I don't know I can't really tell you how honored I am to see this side of the miracle like I can't really articulate the privilege that it is to see what these kids grow up to be and all that they do um but I can tell you that literally it just makes me want to fight so hard for every other kid 
to have somebody, you know, just to have the opportunity that they did. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is, I would be a completely different person without any of them in my life. They make me so much better every single day. They make everybody better, to be honest. And I think that that's what all of our miracle kids do. You know, I've never met a miracle kid that doesn't just impact somebody and change them. You know, not just like that one day, but literally change their life. And so I just really want us to be able to do that. And that sounds really corny and cliche, but, you know, change the world while doing so. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's a beautiful way to kind of close up our conversation today. But before we do that, um, I always have one question that I always like to ask my guests. And it's what program would you like to see on this podcast? All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the University of Texas. And I know that we're known to be rivals all the time, um, but we can go ahead and put that aside for the kids. (laughs) And, you know, I have a hard time saying hook them, but I'll go ahead and do it for Texas on. Y'all are killing it and absolutely incredible with just like all the graphics and stuff y'all sent to DMLC. I want to hear from you. (laughs) All righty. Well, Texas Thon, we're 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 coming we're coming we're gonna be coming to interview you. Well, maybe we're not actually down to Texas, but we'll zoom we'll zoom um, interview you anyway. Um, but we'll be um, we'll be in touch. Hopefully, we can get you on this podcast soon. But Georgia, thank you so much again for coming on today to talk about Aggie Miracle. I'm really excited um, for y'all. Just in the future, I know that times are uncertain, but at the same time. For our for the miracle makers that you are, all you need is just an opportunity. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much, Georgia, and we'll talk to you later. We'll see you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you are interested in hearing more stories from dance marathons across the country, go ahead and follow this podcast so you can get all of the updates and every episode the moment it drops. If you're interested in following us and figuring out when the next episode is going to drop or who the next program is going to be, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at MiracleMakersPod and maybe subscribe to our YouTube channel. We just started one, so hopefully you can go get us um, your information there or wherever you might want to get your information from this podcast, whether it be on a streaming platform or on YouTube. So with that said, um, if you want to go and follow the program that we just talked about, Aggie Miracle, I'm going to leave their Instagram handle in the description of this podcast as well as the description of the video on YouTube. So go ahead and support this program. This is an incredible program with a bunch of people just trying to make a difference in the world. So with that said, thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. And if you weren't already excited enough for this podcast, we are continuing that series. We have an episode next week, so make sure you keep on the lookout for that one when it drops. So all that being said, my name is Matt Leong. You're listening to Miracles in the Making Stories from Dance Marathon podcast, and we will see you next time.